the text we're going to look at particularly is chapter 5, verses 1 to 3 uh, in First Thessalonians. But we're going to back up a little bit because of the context of all this is about the coming of the Lord. And so we're going to back up in chapter 4, verses 13, starting in verse 13 for context. This is a word of the Lord. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left unto the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Amen. This is a reading of God's word. Please be seated. As I said before in, in previous uh, sermons on this uh, segment in First Thessalonians, this particular part in the letter, this is pretty much a working out of, God, of Apostle Paul's prayer in chapter 3, starting in verse 11 through 13. And so everything that's coming after that passage is pretty much how the Lord will answer the Apostle Paul's prayer for the church, this, this young church in Thessalonica. These are Christians who are Gentiles. Um, if, you want to, if you remember how they were actually uh, placed as God's church, remember Acts 17. Um, that's when the church was born. Um, the Apostle Paul gave the gospel to these, these people who are in Thessalonica. And the Jews that were in the midst of this preaching did not listen to the Apostle Paul. They rejected that gospel preaching. But these Gentiles, these Gentiles in Thessalonica, heard the word of the Lord, and they received it with thanks, giving, and praise. And that's when this church was born. And that's when... The Apostle Paul left, and after discipling them pretty much a lot throughout all their, you know, teaching them the, the doctrines of grace and all these things that the Lord wants them to know, how the church should be ran, how they should love one another, all these things he taught them before he left. But then he got concerned, and that's when he sent Timothy to go over there to investigate what's going on. To the, in this church in Thessalonica. 
He was concerned, very concerned about them because he was wondering, will they go back to the world? Will they go back to the, the things that all these idols that they turned away from? But that's not what happened. Timothy comes with good news and saying this church is prospering. And so what we have right now, right now is that this news that Timothy brings is an encouraging one for Apostle Paul, but Apostle Paul wants to give him a little bit more encouragement. And this encouragement comes from the coming of the Lord, the day of the Lord. Now, originally when I was making the sermon, I was gonna start in verse one and, and end up in verse 11. But when I stopped at verse three, I had to park here because this is something that we really need to understand about the second coming of the Lord. My love for this church and love for the church in general, this is, has me to take a step back and make sure we are really anticipating the second coming of the Lord, to make sure that we are not falling in to the propaganda that the world offers. So we will all be ready. We will all be anticipating that manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Christ who we call upon, the Christ who we always love and cherish, the Christ that we see in one another, as we have all been given a measure of the Holy Spirit. This is the Christ that we need to be longing for, but we need to be watchful. And so I park here in these three verses. The title of this passage, the title, I mean, title of this sermon is The Day of the Lord for the Ungodly. The Ungodly will not be prepared for the Day of the Lord. Um, and this is something that we should be bringing to those who are not believers. These are some, this is something that we need to be aware even of our own selves, making sure that we are watchful and ready for the Day of the Lord. And that's why I titled this the day of the Lord for the ungodly. For as you move on, verses 4 to 11, you see exactly that the godly are actually prepared. They're actually looking for the day of the Lord. So this is something that we just need to park and understand. The day of the Lord for the ungodly. The teaching that we have before us is that the exact time and season of the day of the Lord is undetermined. The exact time and season of the day of the Lord is undetermined. It's not something that you're going to find on a calendar. It's not something you can mark that the day of the Lord will return on this day, at this time, in this season. It's not left for us to determine that. And so that's going to be the first part of this teaching. The second part of the teaching is that the ungodly, those who are unbelievers, and even unbelievers who are actually in the church will not be prepared for the second coming of the Lord. And when I say church, I mean the church visible, not the church invisible. The church invisible is the elect people of God. And so they will be ready. But there are some who are in the church that will not be ready. And we, we see that all throughout scripture. And I will try to bring it out for each of us tonight. So point number one, the day of the Lord, the exact time and season of the day of the Lord is undetermined. 
That's point number one. And we will see that in the first uh, two verses. Starting in verse one. Now concerning the time and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. First thing we need to understand from these first two verses is that there is a day of the Lord. There is also, there, there has been days of the Lord that's, that's been visitations towards God's people. But what Paul is talking about is the final day, the day when the Lord comes back and makes all things new. That is, we're talking about the eschatological day, the very last day of the Lord. Um, and there are allusions to this in the Old Testament. I bring out three. There's many of them. Isaiah chapter two, verse starting in verse 12. For the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, which is why we read that call to worship this, this uh, evening. Against all that is lifted up and it shall be brought low against all the cedars of Lebanon, lofty and lifted up against all the oaks of Bashan, against all the lofty mountains, against all the uplifted hills, against every high tower, against every fortified wall, against all the ships of Tarshish, against all the beautiful craft, again, and the haughtiness of man shall be humbled, and the lofty pride of men shall be brought low, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. And the idols shall, shall utterly pass away, and people shall enter the caves of rocks and the holes of the ground from before the terror of the Lord, and from the splendor of his majesty when he rises to terrify the earth. Now, you have been, have been doing a study in the book of Revelation. And that last verse that we just read is one of the verses that's quoted. When the day of the Lord comes, they will be hiding under rocks. It's a day of terror, a day of judgment. Amos chapter 5, verse 18 to 20. This is the Lord speaking to his people about the day of the Lord. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. And if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him or went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light and gloom with no brightness in it? Again, that is one of the things that we are to expect during the day of the Lord. Zephaniah chapter 1, starting in verse 10. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will be heard from the fish gate, a wail that is a cry from the second quarter, a loud crash from the hills. Wail, O inhabitants of the mortar, for all the traitors are no more. All who weigh out silver are cut off. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps and I will punish the men who are what? Complacent, who are complacent. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. That is the day of the Lord described in those three Old Testament allusions. And that is what Apostle Paul means by this last day, this day of the Lord that's going to come upon all mankind whether they be believer or unbeliever. But notice here, 
the Christological use of how he's using the day of the Lord. He's not using it in a sense in how the Old Testament uses it. Um, he, well, he brings it more into, into completion right here in this, in this part in the New Testament. Christ is the one who's doing the judging. Christ is the one who is initiating this day of the Lord. It's not just God in general, but Jesus Christ, the son of God. The Christological use is here, right here in this passage concerning the day of the Lord. So that's one thing we need to get understand. There, there is a day of the Lord, a final day where he will make all things new and crush all evil. All evil will be done away with. The second thing is that the day of the Lord is unpredictable. In other words, the exact time and season of the day is undetermined. And Paul made sure that they would know this. This is why he says in, in verse one, now concerning the time and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written unto you. Now, if you have been paying attention these past few sermons, that is, a, he repeated that, he's repeating that from what he said in chapter four with regards to brotherly love. This is something that the apostle Paul taught them about brotherly love and brotherly affection. He says, you have no need for anyone to teach you about brotherly love because you all are practicing this. And this is something that I left for you as I was teaching you as, as, a, as your pastor. But he's also bringing this back here on the day of the Lord. This is something that I taught you. The Thessalonians were fully aware, fully aware of this teaching about the times and the seasons. This time and the seasons. These, these words, times and seasons, in the Greek is chronos, chronos. It's, it rhymes. <laughs> it rhymes. And it's, it's something that the Lord, uh, that the Apostle Paul taught them about these. Chronos is when it talks about the time, seasons, it's a period, certain period of time, a certain period of time. You are not to be concerned about this, this certain period of time. The seasons, which is a particular point in time, this destined time, you have no reason to be concerned about that. Do not worry about that. Paul communicates that it's not for them to know these times and seniors, these chronos and chronos. It's not that they knew about them, but they have no need for them to, there was no need for them to know about it. There was no need for them to know the exact day, the exact hour, because he moves on forward in, in, chapter, in part two, in, well, verse two, that he's coming like a thief in the night. You can't predict it. Stop trying to predict it. You cannot predict it. He is coming in a way where you would not see. He says in preaching, so in preaching and teaching, Paul considered that what was most needful and most profitable for the people. There was things that they need to know about brotherly love. There was things they need to know about uh, church government. There were things they need to know, know about all types of things with regards to Christ's church. But the times and seasons of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have no need of that. No need of that, those exact times and seasons. The need was for them to be watchful. That's the need. You need to be watchful so that you may not be surprised when the day of the Lord comes. 
That was Paul's main concern, not the time and the season. And didn't our Lord Jesus Christ speak of this? He gave the disciples this same exact teaching. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, and then ending in, in verse 36. As he, that is Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Skip over the verse 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Matthew 25, verse 13, it says, Jesus says, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And even when Jesus was ascended, as he's ascending into heaven, Acts chapter 1, verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. It is not for you to know. What you need to be worried about is being watchful. And even the apostle Peter picks up on this in his letter, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with the war, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And so, it's day of the Lord, this certain time, this certain season. You are not to know. You are to be watchful. Now, the third thing that needs to be understood is that the day of the Lord why, well, why is the day of the Lord unpredictable? It's because it comes suddenly. And that's why we get this uh, passage in verse, verse 2. For you yourselves are fully aware, fully aware, that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Like a thief in the night. He says you are fully aware. In other translations in the King James Version, it says you know perfectly you know perfectly about this. And this is an allusion to Jeremiah 23, verse 20. It says, the anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his heart. In the latter days, what does Jeremiah say? You will understand it clearly. You will understand it clearly. You know perfectly that the day of the Lord is like a thief in the night. And that is why Paul gives this common metaphor. You are to be aware of this, you Christians in Thessalonica. Jesus also spoke this in similar ways. In, uh, in uh, Luke chapter, well, Mark chapter 30, 13, verse 34 to 35, he talks about the second coming of the Son of Man. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning. That's the Lord Jesus Christ reminding us of that. Revelation chapter 16, verse 15. This is to his church, to those people. It says, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeping his garments on that he may not go about naked 
and be seen exposed. Again, the Lord Jesus Christ reminds us of this. This is a similar way that the Lord gives all his people to want, want them to know is that they need to know that he is coming like a thief in the night. Now, literally in the Greek, you should know this. Literally, literally it says, like a thief in the night, it comes. He's using present tense. Now, the, now the ESV is putting this totally future. And yes, this is something that's going to happen in the future. But why is Paul using this language in the present tense? We don't need to correct his grammar. Reason why he's, he's using this language is because it is certain. It is certain and it is coming, it is coming suddenly. That is why he's using this present tense. It is unpredictable. You cannot, you cannot mark it down on a calendar. And this thief metaphor highlights the sudden, the suddenness of his coming. His, his people will welcome this coming, but those who are ungodly, he's coming like a thief. He's coming like a thief. Christ will be, will be manifested in his glory. And in that day, there will be many who are not prepared, many who will not be prepared. It will be a day of judgment for those who are not prepared. And so Jesus comes like a thief in the night. He comes. It is sure and, and, and it's something that we all should be ready for. We all should be looking forward to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, anticipating that second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So by application, do not let anyone deceive you. There are so many people throughout the years that have marked a day when the Lord Jesus Christ will return. And even there are some eschatologists who don't do exactly that, will have you not looking forward as the next chapter in this life, the second coming of the Lord. We have to be prepared. Do not let anyone deceive you into being curious about the times and the seasons. It is not for us to know. What we ought to know is that we are to be watchful. And so do not let up. Do not let up, brothers and sisters, of being watchful. Be prepared. Churches need to be prepared. This is exactly why in Revelation chapter 3, verse 3, what does he say to this church? Remember then, and by the way, I'm going to get to this word, remember. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief in the night, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. And that's why we are not to let up. We are always to be watchful as churches, but even individuals. Revelation chapter 16, verse 15. Behold, I'm coming like a thief in the night. Blessed is the one who stays awake. Stay awake. If you prefer bad English, stay woke. Whatever. I don't care what it, what it takes for you to remember that you are to stay awake. Do not fall victim to the world and what it has to offer. And churches do Christ and believers a disservice 
disservice if they are not equipping the saints to be prepared. That is our job as elders. That is our job, even the deacons. That is our job is to prepare people for the, and equip them for the second coming of the Lord. What we ought to do is we ought to pray, read, love, and watch. Pray, read, love, and watch. And you need to repent if this is not on your mind. You need to repent if this is not your concern, if your concern is only in this life. You must have a concern about the second coming and be ready and be ready and be watchful, which brings us to the second point. The ungodly, the ungodly, whether they be unbelievers out there, unbelievers who call on the name of the Lord. We're going to read the, the parable of the, um, the virgins, the ten virgins, and how they didn't respond. They all were looking for the second coming of the Lord, all of them. But some were foolish. Some were foolish. So point number two, the ungodly will not be prepared for the day of the Lord. You see this in verse three. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. I'm pretty sure uh, Ying and, <laughs> and uh, Gabby, Gabby Dwyer, I'm pretty sure Ying and Gabby Dwyer would say amen to this. This is something that, that and, and women who have had children, this is something that this is, this is how the Lord is going to return. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. First thing we need to understand in the second point, the, godly, the ungodly will not be prepared for the day of the Lord, is that the ungodly are of the world. The ungodly are of the world. The world offers carnal peace and carnal security. Carnal peace and carnal security. Realize this, Paul is not creating two phrases here. He's reciting them. He's reciting these two phrases, peace and security. This was a saying that was a slogan in Rome. This was a slogan. It was a slogan and it was a theme in the Roman Empire. They offer peace and they offer security. They offer peace and they offer security and they will kill you if you try to get rid of that peace and security. So Paul is reciting this, this slogan of Rome, Pax, peace. It was a personified goddess in that day. They worshiped peace in the form of a, of a goddess. It was a statue. And they had coins, even in that day, that bear that image of that goddess. Pox, that personified goddess. Securitas, security, another personified goddess. It wasn't as popular as Pox, but it still was a goddess, personified. And so Paul is using this word peace and security to these Gentile Christians. And that's when their ears are perking up because they, this is Thessalonica. As we studied this before, 
talking about the city of Thessalonica. This was a great province of Rome, great city. A lot of a lion clientele, a lot of financial uh, resources was through this city. And so they are perking up when they hear peace and security because this is something that they hear all the time and they have come out of this world. It's not about it's not it's not about what the Old Testament scriptures say about peace and security. Paul knows about that. But these are Gentile Christians. They didn't have the Old Testament like they didn't know the Old Testament like the Apostle Paul. And that's why, by the way, as a sidebar, that's why there's no explicit uh, scriptural reference in Thessalonians, in, in the first and second Thessalonians. There's no explicit scripture references, no explicit scripture quotations. He gives themes, and because these are Gentile Christians. But Paul does know, Paul does know that those who drink from this fountain of propaganda will not escape. And that Paul knows that this is in the Old Testament scriptures. This is something that is, that happens to God's people at all times. So Paul knows exactly what's about to happen uh, in the times where Jesus Christ is about to come back. And so the ungodly will take and promote that offer of peace and security. And this is a thing that Paul knows about in Israel's history. Sodom and Gomorrah. Beautiful city offering peace and security. Before that, the days of Noah. They compromised. God's, God's people compromised. And they were not ready when that destruction came. God's people with Egypt. They wanted to go back to Egypt and compromise. Babylonians, the Chaldeans, how God's people compromised during those days, wanting to be like the rest of the nations. All throughout Israel's history, there is a time where they want to be like the world in that day. Look at what Jesus is coming through on the, on the scene in, in Matthew. They want to have their own kingdom. And that's why they're not listening to Jesus. They are being just like the world, the world who they say that they hate. So Apostle Paul knows this. And the false prophets of Israel, that's exactly what they used to preach. Jeremiah chapter six, verse 14. They have healed the wound of my people, lightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Ezekiel chapter 13, verse 10. Precisely because they have misled my people, saying peace, when there is no peace, and because when the people build a wall, these prophets smear it with, smear it with whitewash. Does that sound familiar? Whitewash? That's what Jesus is getting at. Y'all are being like the world. The Old Testament scriptures testify to this demonic world system and sometimes God's people will like to get into and buy in or drink the Kool-Aid of what the world offers. This carnal peace, this carnal security. And what does Apostle Paul say? 
What is he in indicating here? The day of the Lord will surprise the ungodly and destroy them. Paul gives the imagery of their sudden destruction. Like labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Now this imagery of a pregnant woman uh, in the, as regards to the day of the world, there, has some, there are some passages where that's actually a good thing. And there are other passages where it's actually a bad thing for some people. But for people who are ungodly, and, and, what, and the way that Paul is using it right now, this is bad. This is bad. Why? Many, many passages throughout this scripture give this imagery of the day of the Lord. They are positive and negative, but here Paul is highlighting the suddenness and the inevitableness of his coming, of Christ's destruction upon mankind. It is sudden and it is inevitable. Now you may, this is kind of lightened in our day with modern medicine, but you picture these people in, in this time, you know, it was less predicted of when that baby was coming. And when it comes, oh, it's too late. It's coming. It's too, it's coming. And there, there, some people didn't even know when they were pregnant until it, it started showing. So this is a pre-scientific age, pre-scientific age. But this is something that, yeah, it, it was, it's inevitable. It is sudden and it is inevitable. And what does he say? They will not escape. Other scriptures bring this understanding of the coming of the Lord. This suddenness and inevitableness. Psalm 35 verse 8, let destruction come upon him when he does not know it, and let the net that he hid ensnare him, let him fall into it to his destruction. But that's not it. The Lord Jesus Christ gives this vivid imagery. Luke chapter 17, verse 26 to 30. Just as it was in the days of Noah, there's Noah again, the days of Noah again, so will it be the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on a day when, the, when, when Lot went out of Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on a day when the Son of Man is revealed as Jesus warning to who unbelievers no it's to his disciples it's to his disciples he gives another warning Luke 21 verse 34 but watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life and that that day will come upon you suddenly like a trap it's over and that's why he gives this imagery of this woman who is pregnant. It's, it's, it's the, wa the water's out and the baby is coming and it's too late. It's sudden. You cannot escape. And so Jesus is giving this imagery. The sudden instruction is not for the visible, well, the invisible church, those who are elect, those who are really trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
This is actually an encouragement for them, as most of what this letter is about, is encouragement. Why is this an encouragement? It's because they refuse to seek what the world offers, the peace and the security. And so they are prepared. These troubled Thessalonians and all of God's people are comforted with understanding that the Lord is coming for them and that he is bringing destruction upon the whole world who is not ready. But God's people, the elect people, we're ready. We're ready to see him face to face. We're ready and we encourage whenever that happens. So first application of the second point is to be encouraged. All of you who are receiving hostility for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the sake of righteousness, you are to be encouraged. All of you who are not seeking this peace and the security that this world offers, carnal peace and security, your full redemption is coming. Your full redemption is coming. Is The Lord is coming for you. And you are to be excited every day. Again, waking up every morning. Is this the day when the Lord returns? Are you excited? But as you are excited and then you're encouraged in that, stay watchful. Again, stay awake, stay woke, whatever it is. But always pay attention. Pay attention to what is going on. Your full redemption is coming, but be encouraged for when the Lord comes for you. Second application, though, and this is for all of people who may be watching online, people who are not here, people who may be here. If you have been seeking this carnal peace and security that the world offers, you're backsliding. Come back. Come back and realize who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Many individuals and churches bring carnality into the church to have us be complacent, to have us seek peace and security that this life offers. Do not buy into it. Do not buy into it. It seems safe. I get it, but you're not safe. The word is out. People will not be prepared on the day of the Lord. And I do not want that to be anybody here. I don't want that to be people who are watching online. Stay awake and, and understand who you are in Christ. We got so many people, conservative Christians, you walk into the, the ordinary Christian conservative household, you have the, that, that statement of in Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that sounds cute until you actually realize who he's talking to. He's talking to God's people. Joshua was a man that was trying to rearrange Israel and bring them back, bring them to the promised land. But the people wanted to go after the idols of, this na of the nations. They took those idols. And the people are saying, no, no, Joshua, we, we're going we're gonna to serve the Lord. You can't serve the Lord. You have idols in those tents that you dwell in. You must repent. 
You must turn away from all, all the wickedness, all those idols, those idols that are of the world. And if you don't, that's on you. And that's when he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the context of this, of that passage. And that's what we need to realize even in our own day. There are people who call upon the name of the Lord and will not be ready. Now, this word, remember, as I am an elder and as we are set to teach, but we want to teach you not just information, but teach you also how to study the Bible, how to study the Bible and not to study the Bible for information, but study the Bible for your soul. And I'm going to tell you right now, Every single passage where you, say, where, you, where you see that word remember and the Lord is calling you to remember something, you need to highlight that, remember it, meditate upon it, write it down, because there's a reason why he wants you to remember it. The reason is because we quickly forget. And in that time where you actually need it, you'll forget it. That's all the passage. So think of, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. We're prone to forget that. People forgot it today. People forgot it today. Because of what we call Super Bowl Sunday. People forgot it. Many generations of America, many Christians in America have forgotten it. But the Lord tells you to remember it. Remember, I am the God who bought you out of the land of Egypt. Another passage that we are to remember. But why do you think the Lord Jesus Christ told you to remember Lot's wife? Why do you think he told you that? You know the story of Lot's wife. Things are burning down. There's destruction behind her. Her redemption is coming. But she turns back and looks back at that peace and security that she had in that nation, that, that beautiful thing that, that that nation offered. She turned back. And what happened? She turned into a pillow of salt. That's how it's going to be on the day of the Lord. That's why Jesus wrote, told us that. Remember Lot's wife. So, Find your peace and security in the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is the day where you are to repent and trust in him and lean on him for the salvation of your soul. Know exactly what the world offers you in, in, in the way, in a way that it does in our day. This peace and security that this world offers. This peace and security, it, it, it comes through what? Governments? Medicine, even churches sometimes want to offer you this peace, security, to have you be complacent, to have you not be watchful. But understand what this world is offering you and turn aside. Turn aside the whole American dream, wife, wife husband, wife, uh, white picket fences, all these things. The American dream that, that the world offers you, 
is not what the Christian should be holding on to. You ought to be holding on to your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is coming for each and every one of us who are waiting upon him. So may all of God's people anticipate that day. And all of you who, are, who have been living for the world, offering what the world, looking and promoting what the world offers, turn away from it. Turn away from those idols. Repent and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ while there's still time. And that's why we shouldn't know. I'm just looking for the times and the seasons of exactly when he'll come. Because if it was up to us, we will wait to that time. But we ought to be watchful. And so may us all be watchful until the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Now, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the reminder that we ought to be watchful. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to do so. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us to love the Lord Jesus Christ and yearn for his second coming and anticipate the second coming of Christ. For it is in, in his name we do pray. Amen. We have a hymn of response, hymn number 319, Day of Judgment, Day of Wonders. It's on page seven in your bulletin. Please rise. serve the Lord. The Lord himself be with you at all times. God bless you. Amen.